0: time for everybody's favorite bit hi welcome to level playing field a podcast where two three four or sometimes even more longtime friends get together and talk about one of their favorite hobbies video games today we're going to be talking all about world of warcraft my name is unprecedented host joseph (laughs) summer and joining me today is for the alliance dylan wren
1: hello everyone the Alliance. And
0: just trying to get some pizza in an uncivilized world, Caleb Van Nuys.
2: I don't know enough about World of Warcraft to make a clever Warcraft reference. I
0: Which is funny because it's Caleb's fault we're doing this
1: episode. <laughs> that
2: is true. I was the one who's like, you know what? We should do a World of Warcraft episode because I don't know what that's about.
1: And here we are. Two, uh, well, I am unqualified to talk to you about what World of Warcraft is about. Joe is more qualified than... Probably I'm going to tell you probably
0: us. more than what you want to know about what World <laughs> of Warcraft is about. So before we jump in, uh, I'm contractually obligated to tell you that we have social media. Uh, most notably, I think Instagram and Twitter are our most active. You can search level playing field gaming. Uh, we also greatly appreciate subscribing and leaving reviews. iTunes reviews are the biggest boost for our show. So before we get started full on in WoW talk uh what about we do a little bit of what we've been playing because i think it's been a few weeks since we had like a free segment on what we've been playing i think we skipped it last time so uh we should we're gonna side
1: i was gonna say we should also probably address the fact that there's an unprecedented host and andrew's not here just so that our listeners are like i I guess
0: i just look at me i'm the captain now yeah uh so so tom all right, I guess Andrew, I don't know what we call him on this episode on the show. Whatever. Andrew was on vacation this week, and so he gets the week off and I am hosting technically instead. We're using host a little generously there. I'm just I hit the stream button. That's pretty much it.
1: No Joe hijacked our ship and was like, "I'm the host." <laughs>
0: uh okay. So, you know, now that we have continuity established, do a little bit of what we've been playing and let's get the the one big one out of the way that we're probably going to talk about more than anything Caleb and I have both played a whole bunch of Hades Mm.
2: yeah that's and honestly that's all I've been doing for like two three weeks (laughs) and I think
0: it appeals to us for like very different reasons which is a testament to like why this game is going to be in the running for game of the year this year Yeah, it's Uh, so, Caleb, why don't you explain what the game's about? Because that's probably more of a like everyone's going to appreciate it.
2: Uh, Right. So Hades is a new game from Supergiant Games. Uh, uh, Longtime listeners might remember that their first game, Bastion, was literally the first episode we uh, ever recorded. But they've been doing third isometric uh, action games basically the entire time. Hades is their latest release. It is a roguelike action game where you play as Prince Zagreus, a child of Hades who wants to break out of the underworld because it takes place in Greek mythological kind of realm. It's pretty straightforward. You have to break out of hell and it changes every single time that you die. And here's the thing, you die a lot. The game's a roguelike. It's designed for you to die. It is very hard on purpose with the shtick kind of being that the story kind of expands as you die. Every time you go on a run, go out to get as far as you can to try to break out. You're only gonna get so far before you inevitably die again, and then when you arrive back, the story can kind of move forward. You can see how the everyone back at the House of Hades is kind of milling about, uh making a you know, making plans, doing this, doing that. So It's just a game you're going to play a lot, even once you do get to the gates of the underworld and maybe even get out. The game doesn't end, and there are reasons why you keep playing over and over again. Uh, But no, that's just the basic thing. You grab a weapon, you start off with a sword, you can unlock several others as you go along. Uh, You get boons from various Greek gods from Olympus who are trying to help Zagreus escape. So you get the powers of Zeus or Ares or Aphrodite or Artemis or uh, Athena, uh, Poseidon. I'm trying to see if I can remember all of them. Dionysius Did you get Hermes I didn't get Hermes Hermes is I could be a, just a nerd for a second here Hermes is actually interesting because like he's got his own entire separate plot where he's working with Karen and he all of his boons are like stat based instead of attack based it's actually it it's that they're passive usually instead of anyway but that does kind of tie into all the characters have There's a lot of story going on in this game. There's a lot of character interactions, a lot of plot. You can kind of get to know all the different characters, all the different gods, all the different denizens of the House of Hades. Different people scattered throughout the different levels of the underworld. You can bump into, uh, oh shoot, Sisyphus and his pal Boldy, the boulder he keeps pushing up a hill. It's a very large game. It doesn't seem so at first. It's like, oh yeah, just just hack and slash and fight your way out. And the moment-to-moment gameplay is delightful. I have to say, like I was, you're never, you keep having to repeat. It over and over again but the roguelike element of everything getting rearranged and the action like the the gameplay is so tight you never really mind like there have been many a time when I'm like alright I'm gonna see how far I can get and after like 20 minutes I die and I'm like alright that should have like when I set out I'm like that's it for the day but without really thinking too much I go in and find out the new story stuff now that I'm back at the house of Hades and then I grab another weapon and another enchantment and just head out and see how far I can get this time
0: yeah that's where the the game shines is that they they bake your continual dying into the game cuz it 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 does fall on the roguelite side of things. These roguelikes and roguelites. And so the, the difference being that in a in a true roguelike it is one shot and when you get when you die like all progress is wiped and you go back to the start and the the gameplay loop is getting good enough at the game to like make it to the end and complete the game. Whereas a rogue light, the main difference is there's usually some sort of permanent upgrade system. And so every time you play through the game, it gets gradually easier. And there's sort of that, like you just need to grind it out enough to eventually beat the game. You know, you don't, you don't actually get do good. You just have to grind it out and eventually you'll get there.
2: I have to say Hades does it really intelligently because first of all, there's always interesting choices you can make every time you go out there, like not just what gear you bring that you've unlocked, but like as you're out there, like, do I want to expand my health a little bit this time? Or do I want to get a boon from such and such a god? Or do I want to get some permanent currency that I can use to upgrade myself permanently? Or some temporary currency that might help me go farther this round? And the god mode option is really smart because it's not... I did it for, like, the last half of my playthrough because I'm like, I need to do... I need to finish this so I can get on to other things. But it was not as I expected, like, a oh, press button to win kind of mode. It's still baked into the you're gonna die a bunch thing. You basically just get a health reduction that slightly creeps... like, a damage reduction that slightly creeps up every time you die. It's still expecting you to die dozens of times. It's just going to say, okay, eventually, we will let you see the end of the story. Even if you kind of suck at this,
0: yeah, and it's it's clever with the way that they bake the story into the mechanic because rogue lights in general bother me like I don't like the concept because then it just feels like a the way I should be playing this game then is not to try to get as far as I can, but just to f- maximize my farming of the currency until I think I'm powerful enough to get there but Hades I think manages to sidestep that pretty well with by tying in the narrative elements to the fact that you're dying every you're dying all the time so dying equals story advancement and then also it's just really freaking fun to play
2: oh yeah yeah there's
0: no i have no particular like you kind of think okay six weapon types and you're like okay i'm just gonna like pick one or two and in hades i've found that the gun and the spear are like, not my favorite. It's funny, because the spear was
2: my favorite for a while.
0: The rest of them, it, it really is, like, I just, I keep swapping between them. And they're all equally a blast. I think I'm a little partial to the shield, just because you can, if you spec into the special ability on the shield, you just go full Captain America. Mm-hmm. And, like, your build that revolves around chucking a shield around the room, which is a whole lot of fun. Well, but That's the other thing
2: about the weapons, too, is they can each... Through some permanent upgrades and through some random things, uh, the Daedalus hammers can really, like, super change up how you play with each weapon. Like, the gun, the first time I used it, it's like, I don't know that I like this. Like, it's just kind of clunky and it has limited ammunition unlike the bow. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, and then you have to reload. So it's like, this is kind of difficult. But then I got an upgrade that it's like, okay, it's instead of 12 shots and then you have to reload. You never have to reload. It's just a quick burst of three shots. And then you learn to just, like, sort of dash and then chain into different, like, shots. Then I was zipping around like an anime character, just blasting energy all over the place, just, like, destroying everything. And I'm like, oh, I like this gun now. We're, that was weird. Um, and you can yeah, the, seriously change the out. the
0: dataless hammers specifically are – I mean, the weapon aspects are good and that they, they kind of change up how you play. But the the dataless hammers are huge because you'll be halfway through a run and you'll get one. And you'll go, oh, this just massively changed my playstyle mid through, and it feels really good. It's akin to Slay the Spire. The boon system and the Daedalus Hammers combine together to make a something similar to Slay the Spire, where you're kind of building a deck almost, in that you're wanting to pick things that synergize with each other and build on each other. Whereas a traditional, you know, roguelike where like they take dead cells. You know, in Dead Cells, like yeah you pick up different weapons and you just but you're just kinda trying to pick up like, oh, what's best. This is like I really like the slay the spire approach where it's like, hey, just about every room or every other room, we're gonna give you three options and then you pick one and, you know, add it to your quote deck. And, you know, you can make some interesting builds and that keeps it fresh because you're going to have to grind through. Like I think the average is 20 to 30 runs to get your first clear, depending on, you know, if you get a really lucky run early on, which feels about right. I'm sure that there are some people who can do it on like their very first attempt because there are people who can play Dark Souls without getting hit. And I would have told you that's impossible. So I'm sure people can do it for Hades. But no, yeah, in general, the game is going to expect you to like grind out a fair amount uh and they did a great job of making that not super noticeable
2: yeah it never feels like a chore like i i will say the first the not to spoil it but there is an element of like hey even when you do quote unquote escape from the underworld which is your goal like your plot driven goal there are story reasons why you keep doing it over and over again there's essentially three stages like can you escape? And then once you do escape, you have sort of an end game thing where you still have to keep doing it a few more times. And then there's a post game where there's story reasons why, yeah, now you can just do it as much as you want to see how fast you can to try different things to get some of the secrets, finish out some of the side quests or side plots. But that end game section is about half of the game. Like there, the first time you escape, you're like, So I beat it and it's like, no, you are maybe about halfway through like you, you are, you're, you're going to be here a while. And at first I was kind of frustrated, but after like two or three more runs, I didn't even care because I'm like, this is really fun. It never really feels like a chore. Uh, There's always interesting decisions you can make, like moment to moment gameplay of like, you get two options. You did it. Do you do this? Do you go there? Do you get this boon? Do you want to like throw this run? Are you like sitting there thinking, I can't. I can't get past that boss or this section with the, my current loadout. So I'm just going to try to get resources. I can resources I can use to advance the story or to build up my permanent aspects. And then, you know, you find a Daedalus hammer or like a really good boon that like, you go, Oh wait, hang on. Maybe I can do this. Like maybe I I can actually, finish. it's just moment to moment. It's a really, really fun game. And I will say on the story side, um, it's really well written. The characters are, Clever and interesting and compelling. The voice acting's really good. It's actually uh, Darren Corp, the guy who's been composing the music for all of them, as the voice of Prince Zagreus. And oh man, Logan Cunningham, who's also been the vo- like he's done voice acting in all of them since Bastion. He was the narrator in Bastion. Uh, he's he was the sword and Transistor, and he is both the narrator, whose true identity is hinted at in a kind of hilarious uh, side joke, and then Hades himself. And just all around, the acting's great, the writing's great. It actually kind of reminded me, and I know I'm the only one on this podcast who's played it, Kid Icarus Uprising, which also had like this really good mythological setting with like really clever dialogue between its characters. This was like, if you enjoyed that game for its dialogue and character development, Hades is like a slightly more adult version of that. It's just like got a bit more edge, but it's still really clever and smart.
0: Oh yeah, the the story is good and yeah, like I think the art takes does a lot for this game. The like the art's absolutely great. I watched a review where somebody said it's a super giant game, so all the voice actors sound like they're way too hot, which is pretty accurate. Like they all are it's like no, these these people all sound like they're too attractive to be I mean, on this planet, is Greek, which Greek is mythology. kind of the point yeah. like they they are supposed to be Greek gods. Um and, like, they really do sound the part.
2: But then you also um, have um, Cerebus, who is both, like, just, you can you can pet the dog. The, the dog pet encounter uh, on Twitter. Yeah, it's you can, important. You can pet the dog. But also is subject to maybe one of my favorite moments in a video game when you do get to the gates of hell and he is waiting for you. And it just, that that whole moment was really clever, really well done. But, yeah, no, the, the cast of characters is great. I have to say I am a Greek mythology nerd and Artemis has always been my favorite Greek goddess and I I was just sitting there playing it thinking the first time like they wrote her really well. This is exactly how I pictured like how Artemis would be and I'm like that's kind of a weird direction to go. That's odd. Okay. All right. But yeah, no, that if if you are if you like Greek mythology, this is probably one of the better versions of it I I've, I've seen since the Percy Jackson books
0: um just a completely random tangent did either you guys read a series of books when you were kids i forget what they were called but it was greek mythology and the this whole shtick was that like greek mythology has been told wrong this entire time it's like a history is written by the victors kind of thing and so the whole shtick is that like these books are all written from the perspective of hades and it's not the like over the top edgy like you think it is it's just like Hades is actually just this kind of down-to-earth dude and like Zeus is just this huge airhead and so like this the whole shtick is that Hades is basically like oh I'm just gonna go to the underworld because I don't want to deal with you guys and I'm just gonna leave you up there I will look them up and yeah like send you the information I, they might still be worth reading as an adult they're pretty funny like it's stuff like oh yeah hercules yeah he wasn't all big and tough like we had to really help him through um
2: the tw- the, the, and it,
0: it's for kids so it's like it's all told in the kid-friendly way and leaves out all the the not kid-friendly bits of greek mythology which, which is, which is most an they, accomplishment
1: how do they include zeus then yeah. so- <laughs> <laughs> they do actually
2: another another great bit in Hades is they do actually reference that and they like imply that that's just like he might be overselling how many people he has actually slept with it, it it's like uh, Demeter shows up at some point and she's just like yeah my brother's an idiot and he would have you believing that he sired roughly half of Greece which it's again it just kind of touches on all those little Greek things including it has a surprisingly complicated portrayal of Hades himself, because like generally the, the, the shtick is in things that are adapted in Greek mythologies, like, oh, Hades is the bad guy. And he kind of is in this game, but they do also kind of tackle the, hey, maybe everyone in Olympus is kind of an a-hole. Like, they're all kind of pains in the butt
0: so yeah we we could go on for like a whole episode about this if more people play it yeah there's a lot to dive into from a story standpoint from a gameplay standpoint it's a it's a good one yeah recommend
2: like like joe said Um, earlier it's probably going to be in the running for several games of the year across the industry it's got a really good chance i still need to play ghost of tsushima and there's like one or two games coming out at the end of the year and like one i need to go back and play from the beginning of the year but uh it right now it looks like it could end up being my game of the year it's fantastic
1: yeah and now you played it on switch and joe what did you play it on
0: i played it on pc okay and they recommend a controller i played with mouse and keyboard and it felt just fine
1: how is it on switch caleb yeah uh, it plays very
2: well on switch it's um it's it's intense at times like you need to be able to like i i can actually see why mouse and keyboard would help because you have to keep moving like you have to. There are sections where like whether you live or die is based on how quickly you can get out of one spot back into a different spot and then hit and then get out of there and then move. And then my my anime reference earlier, you there were times where you were just teleporting across the field and different things and then smacking things and teleporting back across and then smacking different things. It's it's very once you get good at it, it, it can be very twitchy.
0: Yeah, it is a. It's a fast game. Mm
1: -hmm. Did you play it Um, handheld or? uh, I played
2: most of it with, I played like the first third of my total play time on the big screen. And then after a little bit, it just kept getting more and more difficult. Uh, There was like a slight two second lag on my controllers versus what the switch was getting and it made it very difficult. So I played the rest of it in handheld and there was no delay and that really helped.
1: Okay. Because it's one I want to pick up, and I'm just trying to figure out, like, do I wait until it comes to Game Pass, or do I look for a sale on, like, Switch or PC?
0: I'd take it the first sale yeah. that you see. I, Game Pass, I don't know, because I don't know if any Super Giant stuff is on Game Pass. I f- At least not the PC yeah. version. It could be on the console. Um, I feel I like check I that.
1: have Bastion... But I think that came from, like, Games with Gold or something a while ago. Yeah, they give it out. It through Epic Games. Yeah, they give
2: remember. Bash, they give Bastion out almost all the time on PC. Like, every year or so. It's it's the one game I tell everyone to buy if they want to get into gaming, like, more indie game type things. Because I'm like, twice a year it's going to be, like, $3 on your PC. And it's old, so your PC can run it. Like, give it a shot. There's no reason not to. I would recommend getting it as soon as possible. I think it works really well in the Switch as a handheld thing, though, because once you get to the point, like you get good at it, your average run succeed or fail is going to be like 30 minutes to 45 minutes. So it's like a good pickup play, get some story stuff. You always feel like you accomplish something, even if you die.
1: Dylan,
0: what what you've been playing this week? Uh,
1: A few different things. We'll start with Monster Hunter because there's not a ton to really say about that one basically they had a new like they do events every so often they're doing their like halloween event right now which in monster hunter terms means they've got like new arm like new gear that you can get and all of the old events event quests that reward gear have come back so i'm trying to there were a few that i had missed and so i'm trying to go through and like clean up the like getting the gear that I haven't been able to get and get all the new gear for this most recent like event. So it's it's fun. I still really enjoy Monster Hunter. It's still my top game of all time. The trailer for the movie came out. If you haven't seen it, you should watch the trailer. The movie should is I? almost I mean, it's going to be pretty trashy as a movie. Like I'm not expecting very good things from it. But it will probably be entertaining for at least an hour and a half. So <laughs> take that as you will like it. I was surprised though, like in the trailer, it did see like, it did see like, I guess a lot of the other stuff that I've watched by this director has been just the resident evil stuff, which doesn't stick super close to the games and the source material. Not at all. And I'm not, I don't like the way that they get, mila jovich and like her little army squad into the the game world is not like super in keeping with like the lore but it looks like everything else is pretty close to like actual game stuff which surprised me so
2: i was like um, as little as i know about monster hunter i'm like oh hey look it's a rathalos and it just looks like one
1: exactly so yeah it's it's very it's very interesting because i wasn't I, I expected nothing and now I expect minimal things so the other stuff I've been playing though speaking of Resident Evil I finally am getting around to playing Resident Evil 2 that game that came out last year In keeping with my tradition of playing games a year and a half after they come out so finally sitting down and playing that and it's I mean it's like hot take uh Resident Evil 2 is a good game um Resident Evil 2 remake I know you may have heard about it in 2019's Game of the Year runnings from every popular site, but I am here to tell you that it's uh, it's a good game.
0: I am shocked that a game they made like 20 years ago and then remade
1: today is good. Well, see, and I, and I never played the original Resident Evil 2. I didn't have like a game system at, at the time that those were coming out. So I, I missed out on like playing the original but when i've gone back even trying to go back and play like resident evil 4 has been rough just because third person exploration like action adventure games have evolved so much since since even resident evil 4 came out and this one made a lot of the changes that make me willing to play it like you can aim and move at the same time and we have the
0: technology yes we can exactly. build it
1: exactly and like it it is a little weird because i'm having to like unlearn things from every other like in this one it feels very much like they do not want me to fight the zombies they want me to avoid them as much as possible
2: yeah that is a carryover from the original like n64 ps1 resident evil games where they're like hey sometimes it's not worth it get out of there
1: yes because like ammo is very limited which i think like the game itself does not feel like super, super scary to me right now, just because it's like that campy sort of Resident Evil feel like it, it definitely is intense. It definitely has its like spooky moments, but there's nothing that's just like, oh, man, like Resident Evil seven, I felt like was very spooky just because it was in first person and like you it was claustrophobic and this is. I feel like a lot of it is more just like stress and tension as opposed to like actual spookiness. And I haven't, I I haven't got, I know Mr. X is coming, but I haven't had to deal with him yet, but it seems like you just kind of run away from him as well from everything I know, which is kind of what the game is training me to do right now, because the few times I have tried to stay and fight, I've used so much ammo that it's basically like not worth it to, to stay. And maybe that's just the starting pistol. Like, maybe once I have a shotgun or something, it'll be more worth it to... Like, I can see the shotgun, it's locked somewhere, and I'm trying to figure out how to open it. But once I once I get that, maybe it'll be more worth it to stay and fight. But as of right now, it doesn't feel like it is. Um, but I figured it would be something good to, like, sit down and try to play through during October. Because I don't think it's supposed to be a very long game, either. Like... The idea behind it is that you'll play through it like four times because you have Leon and you have Claire and you play through the game once each is them. And then I think you can go back and sort of like new game plus it with each of them. Like you can choose which one you do first and then do them the opposite way or something like that. And then you get the true ending if you want. But I think you can complete like a a full playthrough of just one of them in like four to six hours
0: right because i mean it, it is still a um whatever platform this originally came out like was it the yeah. first playstation i
1: think it was the first playstation and the yeah N64. so that i mean so.
0: it, it's still a short game even if you remaster it
1: yeah but yeah it it's one of those remasters too i felt like where they weren't so stuck on keeping like you know for better or worse the the super mario remasters it's like this is the exact same game. And so any problems you had with this game are also going to carry over. Whereas this one, I feel like they kept the spirit of the game and they kept so much of the game, but they also went in and like tweaked it and tried to do what they could to improve it.
2: See, I I take the exact opposite thing where it's like, this is basically a new game that is an adaptation of Resident Evil 2 as a story. So it's like, it is technically the same story and kind of setting as Resident Evil 2, the original, but it's basically an entirely different game.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there's a I think a place for both, depending on what you're dealing with. the The remaster for Age of Empires 3 came out, I think, yesterday, and they and so like I think we've talked about or I've talked about it before on the show, like how they've remastered Age of Empires. In fact, I think the one and only article I ever wrote for our site was about how Age of Empires two was like kept alive for a long time, then they remastered it, and how that remaster was like a new game kind of, but like it was the original gameplay, but like here's a really fancy new skin on it and like here's a bunch of quality of life stuff. Same deal for Age of Empires three. They like completely overhauled the interface. They redid all the keybinds because the age of Empires games used to have a unified set of keybinds that was like you had a grid of commands and that grid mapped to your keyboard and they changed that and said like oh we'll, we'll just do it every every keybind will be the first letter of whatever the name of the thing you want to do is uh, which is fine but like people are used to that grid so they brought all that back in there they updated story elements because age of empires 3 was a uh it was set during colonial times, and this was a game that came out during, like, the mid-aughts. So as you can imagine, it wasn't terribly culturally sensitive. So there was a big, like, banner that popped up when you first opened the game that said, like, hey, this game wasn't culturally sensitive when it came out. So we have gone in and, like, cleaned up a whole bunch of that. And we have talked to, like, specifically, there were two specific tribes. One was the Lakota, and then the other was Cypherk. Can't pronounce it. Where they said like, "Hey, we actually went and talked to people this time," which which felt appropriate in this situation. But I see where Caleb comes from when he talks about Mario. Like, I think Mario is so iconic; it kind of should just be like, "Okay, yeah, we know that you guys just want." Well, they think that we people disagree, but generally, like the hardcore fans, they really just want the same game,
1: which. I I definitely hear that, and I definitely agree that, like, sometimes you just want the same game. But I also, as an example, will point to Halo Combat Evolved Remastered and Halo 2 Remastered, where it was literally the same game. They just cleaned up, made it look nicer, and...
0: I mean, that was beyond just a, a clean up and made it look nicer. Like, what they did to Halo Reach for the Master Chief Collection was cleaning it up and making it nicer halo one and two they like made new assets top to bottom
1: yeah but like they didn't change the gameplay like halo one still plays like halo one
0: right but there's like, also they made so, it. so there's they there's a weird the like
1: the visuals.
0: i think it depends on well for one they did have that like you can literally swap styles yeah. at any point when you're playing those games but i think there is something to and this gets back to like when you talk about graphics in a game and generally speaking, anything trying to be realistic is going to age worse yeah, and is more true. deserving of a full remake. Things that are in a particular style, like Mario, hold up a whole lot better as they age. Because when you pick a style, you can adapt that style to like uh, accommodate your limitations that you have. Whereas yeah. Halo, it's like Halo wants to be realistic, but they were limited at the time. And so, like, it looks bad now, but they're like, oh, we can make this better. Whereas, you know, Super Mario 64 was like, yeah, we can only use three polygons for Mario, so we're going to design him around having three polygons. Yeah. Uh,
1: Which is fair, but maybe this is Hot Takes Episode Part 2. The original Mario 64 game does not look good today. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean you're gonna have fight in Words with Caleb.
1: Like
2: Actually, my whole my whole thing with Super Mario 64 is that I don't think as a game it holds up nearly as well as people say it does. Like it's got some great parts in it, but we kind of forget as we're like this is the best 3D Mario game, that like maybe four, maybe five of the levels, and there are only like I wanna say 15, 16, but like maybe a third of the levels almost are actually just bad. Like, there's the... Rainbow, Rainbow Cruise is, like, awful, 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 awful. I kind of respect... Well, oh,
0: that's the... I mean, that's the syndrome for games that we play when we're kids, right? We almost universally remember those as being better than they were. Um,
2: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think 64 especially gets a lot of people like, oh, it was, like, the first major 3D game anyone ever played. And, like, a lot of games from those era can't... Have problems, but like they're still like oh, there's some still good underlying stuff in there. Sixty four, I'm like, there's good stuff, but also like a third of this is just bad. Like it's just not good.
0: Yeah, like like so to to foreshadow a little bit, like classic wow. People love to talk about how great vanilla was and it was so good. Oh man, it would be great. And then people got so excited when classic was announced. I played a little bit of classic at BlizzCon and I was bored like legitimately bored because I, I also, I had zero nostalgia. I not I never played it. And like, so to me it was just, I'm just playing a worse version of what I had. And I think specific, like people remembered where they were, like where they were in their lives at that point. And like this MMO thing was still new and novel, like bar, like super, um, super Mario 64 was new and novel at the time. Like it was one of the first 3d games. And then when you look at it, like, after everything that's come since, you kind of go, eh. I mean, there were some good parts, but...
2: we are about to be talking about some World of Warcraft in a minute.
0: We are. But I want to talk about one more thing before we segue into that. So, after I beat Hades, um, so I'm on a mission to try to, like, beat as many games as I can before Shadowlands comes out. It's a good time to just tear through that backlog. So, as I was beating Hades, Outer Wilds went on sale. So I picked that up. And if you remember Outer Wilds, it's that game that came out right around the same time as The Outer Worlds, which is unfortunate because naming didn't help. But when it did come out, it got a lot of praise from certain reviewers. And it was kind of like this quiet, got a bunch of praise as like, oh, this might be game of the year and so i I picked it up and i didn't really know what to expect other than like oh it's this kind of like planet exploration game i think that's what i've seen of it and it's got this weird camping aesthetic like okay but i've heard good things i'm just going to give it a shot it's been on my list lots of awards and tom would disagree with me if he was on this episode but he's not so (laughs) my views stand alone it absolutely deserves every (laughs) award that it got i beat it in three days and it's a 15 to 20 hour experience Uh, i started it on a weekend and it dominated my weekend it was that like it was one of those like i just want to keep coming back to this which is rare for me like even spirit fair which is a game i like it a whole lot it was still a game that I played an hour or two at a time, usually, 20-ish Out, Actually, Spirit Fair was probably closer to 30, and it took me a few weeks. That This was like, it grabbed me, and like I just wanted to go. I don't want to get too far into the premise of it, unless you guys happen to already know
1: it. I know the very basics of, like, it's got a little bit of, like, Groundhog Day sort of stuff going on. And you're in space trying to figure out what's going on. like Black Yeah, so the, the
0: game revolves around a, a time loop. And it's it's it does get a little old near the end because, because there's a time loop. Some things happen at certain points in time and there's it starts to be like a little bit of, I just need to wait for this thing to happen. But that's minor. Uh, the other, the other like minor complaint is that the you're in space and so you're using six uh directions of control and remember you're in space if you hit right on your thruster you're going to keep going right until you hit left or you hit something which is like once you are aware of that and you figure it out it's fine but there's like a little bit of a rough learning patch where you can't go anywhere you want to go um but other than that it is fantastic. If you played Mist, you would love this game. Like this is right up the alley of like the Mist fans. If you liked Subnautica, you would probably like this game as well. It it's got that same kind of almost like a thriller in that like I I got to figure out what's going on here. Something's afoot. Yeah. And you you're trying to peel back the world and figure out what's going on. Yeah. And the the ending, they they ended it I think as best they could it was a little like i don't want to get too far into spoiler territory but it was a little like huh okay not how i would have done it but like i can respect
1: it because it was a smaller like more indie game wasn't it
0: yeah uh but yeah definitely if, if you're into you know, like mist you like subnautica or if you just like space and puzzles this is probably up your alley
1: it's one that's been like installed on my xbox for the longest time that i just haven't gotten around to starting so
0: yeah and it's it's like i said it's at most 20 hours you can get through it faster if you you know are smarter than me or you just you find things in the right order order definitely has a lot to play and like if you can solve certain puzzles earlier it will make the rest of your playthrough faster and it it does have a neat note keeping system for you it's so unlike mist where like you just have no idea what to do this game it kind of like yeah it has a um one of those like pinboards and so if you're ever stuck you just look for things unresolved on your pinboard and that gets you going any notable news Uh, talked about monster hunter playstation 5 had its ui reveal Um, and it looks nice yeah i didn't really notice anything yeah i mean it's kind of that like i mean the xbox ui has kind of been mostly the same for a while i think we're kind of in a we're no longer in a leaps and bounds game here we're in a incremental improvements
2: basically for the next month before like we've kind of got a little bit of a dry spell until like the games and the big old consoles start dropping
1: yeah i know cyberpunk did something about like the vehicles in the game but i didn't watch it because i've just kind yeah, of gone been... dark on cyberpunk news because i want to just play the game already
0: yeah I, i'm i'm with you there on that like i i tend to not pay so much attention to every little like oh these are the new features of the game or i kind of am just in that like show me a gameplay trailer so i see it this is interesting uh and then just tell me when it's going to come out that that's there's rare exceptions where i actually care about like each little little tidbit i got full into that kind of thing with like remember when gta5 yeah uh brayden and i there was some youtube channel that was like all just dedicated to you know the latest news and what was going to be in the game um and i find that in the end it just kind of tends to overhype you and I, the less expectations I have, the better.
2: You know, it's interesting you, you bring that up because the one game series I do that with consistently, like have done it since I was young, still do it for the most part, is Super Smash Brothers. And uh, one of the things that gaming wise had com- happened in the past week or so was uh, Minecraft Steve came to Smash. And
1: Didn't we talk about that the other week? We, we talked about his announcement, but he wasn't out yet. Yeah.
2: He
0: wasn't. So he's out now.
2: Yeah, he's out now. I actually played as him the other okay. day. And it was actually kind of funny because Minecraft Steve is the first Super Smash Brothers character who I did not watch like the 20 minute long introductory video on uh, like, here's how you play as him. Here's all the different stuff we worked in. Like I skimmed it. I mainly just went to the end, like what me costumes do they have? Because they're now like my favorite part is just like, what other Easter eggs can we fit in here under me costumes? And the answer was Bomberman. We got Bomberman now. But so uh, I have the Challenger Pass volume two. So I get all the new DLC characters as they come out. So Steve came out, downloaded the update, played around. And th- like I said, this is the first time I haven't watched. Th- I had no idea what I was doing. Like, this was the first Smash Brothers character. I'm like, what's this button do? What does this do? <laughs> How does that work? Like, there's an entire elaborate crafting system in this character. Like, they, they made it a point to try to emulate as much of Minecraft in a single character as they could. And... Uh, I have no idea how he works like I'm going to have to go look it up because I just tried playing a like a couple simple matches and I'm like oh I don't why does he do that why does that button do this and sometimes it like why does it work like this so it's kind of funny when it's like I don't know I've also gotten to the point where I'm like the games will just explain it to me whenever it comes out like if I see it and I'm like yeah that looks fine that looks like it'll be interesting like uh, I'm not watching all the breakdowns for Watch Dogs Legion or whatnot when that comes out I'll I'll probably pick it up Black Friday play it i am assuming they will explain most of it to me when i play the game but this one time i didn't go all in on all the smash brothers information it was the time i'm like am i bad at video games now how does this work
0: yeah i think with <laughs> with competitive games it's a little different like then then it becomes a you know information is power and something i all warfare is based on deception and other Sunzuisms.
1: Well, I I think Uh, it it makes me think of like when they release a new character for like League of Legends or something. It's like, sure, you can just jump in and like mess around with that character. But if you really want to understand. Yeah. Also, you can't in League because League has. Yeah.
0: But yeah, we know what what you mean. You could buy it and and play in like a computer. Yeah, you can buy it and then jump in.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And then one last little tidbit here on as a follow-up to the xbox and bethesda deal phil spencer was quoted uh this afternoon as alluding to the fact it the actual quote I'll, I'll spit out a moment here but basically saying that they don't need to sell bethesda games on other platforms to re to like make the deal profitable for them
1: yeah that's just a bonus the specific
0: it was an interview i think with kataku and his specific quote is we have x Cloud and pc and game pass and our console base i don't have to go ship those games on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to kind of make the deal work for us
1: yeah which i mean so, makes sense yeah so it's not committal
0: uh, yeah. like saying for sure but it's just kind of that you know stirs the the rumor mill that And I think, yeah, we talked about this before, I think $7.5 billion makes more sense when you consider they're paying off Bethesda to say, we'll give you so much money, uh, you don't need PlayStation money.
1: Yeah, because I I would, I'd be interested to see, like, percentage-wise, I assume that Skyrim probably sold the most on PC, followed by... I wonder if I can look that up on the fly. Yeah, like I... I, I would assume probably PC first. And then maybe like other consoles like Xbox like I I would be willing to bet that the PlayStation 4 or 3 numbers were nice, but like if they didn't have them and it was just PC Xbox Switch or, you know, PC Xbox Xbox One your smart fridge, your phone, like whatever else they sold Skyrim on. Um like they probably like don't wouldn't have needed the PlayStation 3 sales to be profitable. They probably would have been profitable anyway if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I can't find any direct numbers, though it, uh, there is a quote here that so Steam statistics broke a record todd howard said that skyrim did better on pc than they've ever done before by a huge number
1: and i always have kind of considered them like a pc first type of like their games always seem to be better supported on pc because of the modding community
0: right i think historically they've been console first because i believe they actually the first console's they published on it. They always had a good deal with Microsoft. Yeah, um, like Morrowind was on Microsoft. So yeah, I guess they, are, they have been primarily PC developers just by nature of that's where they started. But I mean, they really were heavy on console with Morrowind and Oblivion and Skyrim. And so, yeah, I think it's, you know, just more, like I said, more of the rumor mill. Just wanted to throw that out there. And I think now we're going to see just how deep down the World of Warcraft rabbit hole we're going to get
1: it's, Guys, not, it's five we can go it's, all it's not Joe showing super
0: well on my camera <laughs> uh, but i am wearing my blizzcon t-shirt that i i did acquire in person i'll buy the mugs even if i don't go but the, the t-shirt i figure that you know don't wear the t-shirt if you weren't there so this is actually like Caleb's Caleb instigated this because Caleb has only seen the movie.
2: I have only seen the movie and I played like four hours of a free demo of world of Warcraft, like a decade and a half ago. Like it's sometime in high school when, uh, it was Andrew and uh, Aubrey were into it and they're like, Hey, you should give it a try. They gave me one of them had, you know, when, I guess when you bought the game back then, maybe when you buy the, you get like a voucher for like, give this to your friend for like a, so many, you know, they, they have a free trial. Yeah. Two week free trial. Uh, and I played it, I got it set up. I played it with them like one day for about four hours. And then I got on some other random day, played it for about two hours on my own. And I have never played world of Warcraft since. Um,
0: okay. So you actually, you do have a frame of reference, um,
1: so that I have, would have been during which, Burning Crusade or Wrath of the Lich King, probably too.
2: I remember yeah. commercials for Wrath of the Lich King, so probably. Like I that was this is the other thing. World of Warcraft is a thing, I understand how big it is, because I have always known about its existence. But it's like a thing, every time some information about it comes out and I look into it and realize I'm way out of my depth. I don't understand anything that's happening or, or why it's happening. All I know is that Blizzard has more money than, you know, like, some small countries.
1: Because yeah. I,
2: I, I know I follow a guy who had unbroken subscription for, like, 10, 15 years or something, and they like they sent him a statue, like, hey, thanks for being <laughs> a subscriber for this long. And he's like, that's kind of horrifying. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, no.
0: you start doing the math on $15 a month times 12 months times, you know, 15, 20, I think it's they're up to 16 years now, something like that.
2: Even that 10 years. Like, even if you right. just, like, cut it off at 10, like, 15 times 12 times 10, that's 15 times 120, which would be the same thing as 15 times 100, which would be 15,000 plus a fifth of that, which would be 300. So, like, am I doing this right? It would be about t- 20,
1: about... i just pull up a calculator. <laughs> yeah,
2: because I got lost <laughs> $15 there.
1: $15 a month <laughs> times 12 times... that's it would years, be four digits, eighteen hundred dollars, if you're paying the fifteen bucks a month. If you, I assume, if you're going to have an unbroken subscription for ten years, you probably at some point did like the year-long deal, which gets it to you a little bit cheaper. But you're still talking probably over a thousand dollars of.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, but you know, like again, value of games and all that—that's yeah. neither here nor there. Okay, so Caleb does—that's does that's
1: have- also the equivalent of thirty full-priced games. So like when you break it down like that, it's like, well, you know, if you get enough enjoyment out of World of Warcraft, you know, then you don't need 30 full price games. You can just play this one game forever,
2: which which is fair. But it's also the exact reason why I never got into it was just because like I'm not going to I would rather play 30 full sized games. I like my whole fear was I would spend because I do this with other subscriptions all the time where it's like. I will spend I will pay for three months of World of Warcraft and then I will play it maybe in those three months, I will play it like four days scattered throughout that, that three months. Like or there might be like one weekend in the second month where I play it all weekend and then I do not touch it until like two months later.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a weird dichotomy there, and I go back and forth because I'll be a big into WoW and then I'll kind of have this like all this time I've put into this game I could have played, you know, two or three, you know, two or three full experience. I could have gone and, you know, played Fallout New Vegas another time, you know, and had like a full fleshed out experience instead of, you know, doing dailies for the umpteenth time. And then I'll kind of get into like, okay, I'm kind of less into WoW right now. I just want to go, uh yeah, actually get through some full on games and which I'm doing right now. And then I'll be doing that. And I'll kind of have this, okay, that's neat, but also I'm playing like 20 hours and then I'm done and then that's it.
2: Then you yeah. actually have to do the work like, of like finding another game to play. And- right.
0: Like, 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 like the Outer Wilds. Okay, That's not a game you really play twice. Yeah. Like once you know the shtick and what's going on, you're like, why would I keep playing this? And so now I just, I uninstalled it and then I'm looking like, okay, well now what? Yeah. And so I go back and forth.
1: Well, because I think that brings up a good point, though. It's like, you're getting something out of playing WoW. Like, it's not just like, like, sometimes when you sit down and think of it, you're like, am I having fun doing these dailies right now? And sometimes that answer is like, mm, not really. Maybe I'll go try some other games. But there's something about it that keeps bringing you back. So, like, what is that? What do you? And that's you and an I play excellent very, question. Like, you and I play yeah. WoW very differently. And Caleb... Played it for six hours. so yep. <laughs> yep. And I my,
0: played
2: it and was like, I wish I could do this without all the multiplayer and the monthly bill. And then I discovered Elder Scrolls games. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just go do this.
1: Yeah,
0: and what's one of my favorite things about WoW is it does the whole you can play it different way. Like for with for Caleb's case, there's no getting around the monthly bill, um, but the multiplayer part, honestly you don't have to there's a ton to do in that game that really doesn't involve other people and that's part of why i really like it even though i play the game a very specific way i appreciate that it has a whole lot of things and that you know all sorts of people will play it because they like different things i have a co-worker he's in his 40s and he plays wow and he his thing is, he does his dailies, um, and then he goes to his farm in Pandaria and like puts on a farmer outfit and then does the dailies there. <laughs> and like, he just likes that. Yeah. And I look at that and go, Holy cow, that would be incredibly boring. Um, like, there's somebody I
1: follow. Oh, sorry.
0: Go, no, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, there's somebody I follow on Twitch. I think it's Samadon Plays or something like that. But basically, his whole thing is he just like, does the auction house like that is the game for him like he'll he'll do other stuff but like it's all central around like making like doing the yeah there there are people who just play the
0: game to play the auction house which at that point it's like why don't you just read up on like options trading and then like i don't know plop down a hundred bucks and do it on the yeah like, or
1: or like eve where the entire point of that game is like play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: is to just get a spreadsheet and get that in a like like they'll get like there's a benefit to play in the auction house and wow and making gold and who knows maybe he actually does like bankroll you know world first guilds and you know provides them loans although he, he again he's still not getting anything that's not wow gold back out of it unless he's breaking some rules Um, which I once upon a time that used to be a a big thing. Um, people used to real money trade all the time. Blizzard cracked down on it, but that's a tangent. So we talked a little bit about how people play it for different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got your raiders. You've got, yeah, your social players. You've got people who want to do collect pets and do pet battles. People who like to farm mounts, people who like to farm old appearances, uh, achievements, um, I'm sure I think there's there some people one... who
1: are super into reading the quest text. That's oh, never actually, something there I'm are. Doing.
0: There's um, there's a guy on YouTube. His name is Noble Noble87, and he has a whole YouTube channel and is. I don't know if he's quite a full-time content creator, but like has a very successful channel. And all he does is he reads quest text, and he'll go and level an old content and read quest text there, and then like connect all the pieces of the story. And tell it on his YouTube channel, and he's hugely successful. There's a, a guy named Rex Troy who has a successful, semi-successful YouTube channel. He's not full time, but he just tries to break the game. He finds weird exploits in PvP, and then like makes videos on them. Um, and then Blizzard patches them a week later. And like I said, there's, there's tons of little of niches for like whatever appeals to you. So.
2: Yeah, no, that's, I guess
0: we should start with the common baseline that we've all seen the movie. Yeah, um, let's start there. And, and we need to, I
2: do have some places I want to take it after that. But that's a good we need to
0: break it to Caleb that unfortunately, the movie has like nothing to do with the game. See, this is um, this
2: is the kind of thing. So like, here's what I understand. And like, I, I didn't usually for something like this, I would go do a bunch of research. But I'm like, no, the point is this, I need you guys to explain this to me, like I'm like I'm stupid, because I, I kind of am when it comes to this. There Before we had World of Warcraft, Warcraft was like StarCraft, a game I have actually played, StarCraft 2, really good. Yes, it came first. Yes. It was like the Warhammer and then Warhammer 40k, where it's like the fantasy version, the space version. Exactly.
0: And that's important. Blizzard has yeah. never had an original idea. They take other ideas and execute them with a polish that until recent years was unmatched by anybody else.
1: Yeah, because it's... Wasn't Warhammer... Warcraft supposed to be a Warhammer game, but they like couldn't get the license or something? I feel like that I read that. That
0: sounds somewhere. familiar. Um, but yes, War, Warcraft is Warhammer. Starcraft is Warhammer 40k. Diablo is... I forget what Diablo r- rips off. I mean, it's generic, like, demonic stuff. World of Warcraft is um what what was that old mmo everquest yeah overwatch is team fortress 2 it very much uh hearthstone is magic the gathering like yeah but they they, like i said they execute these ideas generally with with better polish than anybody else
1: yeah well there was a time where i would say that magic was executing magic better than blizzard was but currently there's a bunch of drama in the magic community so they are they're actually doing magic better right now so
2: um so that's okay so
1: yeah so caleb
2: yeah so we have the warcraft and i think there were like three of them and they were just rts's right like they were yeah correct that was it just like starcraft is which is again the only blizz i have a battle net like account and it's just for starcraft too so the movie is like connected to those games, not as much World of Warcraft, which came
0: Not later. games, game. Games. Specifically, Warcraft 1 Orcs and Humans. Okay. Which kind of didn't really have a story. Like, it was the first one, and, like, this is an RTS that came out in the 90s maybe even the eight no has to have been the 90s i think it Um, was the
1: 90s i'll get you a date on that
0: so yeah in rts in like the early 90s so like story was kind of a secondary concern right Um,
2: it's just like hey do you want to make armies fight
0: which is somewhat genius for the movie to like put the the movie there because it's like how do we write a movie about a universe that has incredibly complicated comic book-esque lore We'll just put it before anything really happened. Um, yeah, because there was stuff they've
1: alluded to, like even in World of Warcraft, of like stuff that has happened, but like... Right, it's the, never the universe been, like,
0: had existed for a yeah. while. It wasn't like the universe just started. It, yeah, because it, it's um, like...
1: The characters that you see in the movie like are all referenced in later games. Um, and have By and large. Played.
0: And some of them do show up, um, notably Khadgar and Medivh, I don't know if you ever see um Lothar. You do see Garona. She shows up. But yeah, and actually most of the orcs, just about all of them I think show up in the game at in the game or at least in Warcraft 3. But yeah, most of the humans like they don't they're generic humans. I felt um, that in the Warcraft, movie too where it's just like, yeah. "Oh,
2: the humans who they want me to care about. I don't."
0: Yeah. I mean, that's they they don't have much story in the game. It's just Warcraft was kind of a, you know, orcs are voided outrage monsters. Humans are humans. Humans fight orcs. And then they fleshed that out a little bit with two. And then Warcraft 3 is where the story really kicks off. Warcraft 3 is still kind of worth playing even today, just because it is a solid story. One important.
1: It's a really good RTS, too. Like, it does a lot of things that I still find myself like. In times that I've played other RTSs, I still look at Warcraft 3 and I'm like, man, they did some really cool things with Warcraft 3. Because you can see a lot of what they were going for with World of Warcraft in Warcraft 3. Like, yes. just in, in a lot uh, of the little things they did there.
0: I will tell you, Caleb, the Orc stuff is largely accurate. The orcs being conflicted between being rooted out rage monsters and like honorable warriors is real um their backstory is they existed on another world and then without getting like way deep into the lore essentially they were offered the blood of a demon and like they're like hey drink this it'll make you powerful um and their world was kind of like already not super great things were not looking so good and so they You know, drank the Kool Aid, turned into roided out rage monsters. That's where the green orcs come from. And then the non green orcs, the green orcs are the ones who drank the Kool Aid and died with the magic. So they go through the portal, fight the humans, and then stay on the other side of the portal. And then eventually, like, build a city, um, band together with other, like, races living kind of on the fringe. And that's the setup for, like, the game.
2: Gotcha.
0: But yeah, the themes are all spot on. The characters are all portrayed fairly accurately. Like, Goldan is evil in the game. Blackhand is a roid, rage monster in the game. Durotar is, like, trying to do the right thing and look out for his family. And Durotar is Durotan. the father of a very, like, they call the Wait. province Durotan, but Durotar was his name.
1: No, Dur- Durotan
2: was the name of the character in the movie. I don't know if they changed it
0: okay well there's there's a durotan and a durotar and i I am confused on which is which
1: yeah the whole time they kept saying it in the movie i'm like which one am i hearing (laughs) like
0: but he's the father of a very important character in the games so that's all accurate yeah wow Um, moses yeah
1: yeah
2: i did notice the (laughs) sequel hook was just moses yeah
0: yeah no no, he um his shtick in the later games is he leads the orcs out of captivity to the promised land And like like, starts a new society.
2: Do you know what amuses (laughs) me is like Warcraft, the movie, very much wanted to be Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you know, where you had like two sides, both of whom were sympathetic, but they were going to get into a fight and you didn't want them to. And it was going to be bad. And then hilariously, it's like, oh, our sequel hook is Moses. They never made a sequel. But Dawn of the Planet of the Apes got another one, War for the Planet of the Apes. And like it literally ends on the most explicit Moses imagery I have ever seen in a major motion picture not called the Ten Commandments. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess literally the Planet of the Apes movies just actually did the thing Warcraft was trying to. Um, Yeah. But, okay. So, So,
0: that's, like, movie, it's a solid base. But from there on out, the World of Warcraft lore basically turns into a comic book, in that, like, I could not explain it to you properly in one episode of this podcast
2: that's so like okay uh,
1: you, the planet is actually like us created by these yeah, space robots of
0: like <laughs> full of retcons full of like yeah. this person's dead they're not really dead literally and then, like, a
2: comic book where it's just like yes. that thing the we said was canon space. never mind it's this now
0: so they've it's actually it's funny because like, things got so fractured and bad, they wrote a couple of books. They called it Chronicles. And these books were supposed to, like, codify the early lore of the game because it's gotten so inconsistent and, like, contradictory. So they wrote these two books and were like, here's the early lore of the game because we told this story in three RTS games and an MMO and in books and in comics. We need to consolidate it. That lasted for about a year, and then they started contradicting that book. It's gotten to a point where people have largely given up on the story. Like, it's there. There are people who still like to go all tinfoil on it, but it's, you know, it is that, like, we have stopped caring about what what the contrived reason for the big bad guy is. Just tell us who they are, and, like, we'll go fight them.
1: Yeah, it functions... Now it feels like, to me anyway, it functions much better as, like, if you just take each expansion as its own separate compartmentalized story, as opposed to trying to keep tying it back to this thread that's been going back for 20 years. Which
0: is hard to do, because every expansion, the main story is a result of, like, things that happened before. Um, I will say, so, Classic and Burning Crusade, no like some story, Burning Crusade, particularly with Illidan, that's a good story. The one that you really would actually be worth like looking up a YouTube video, I think, is Wrath of the Lich King. They set up a villain in Warcraft Three, uh, Arthas Menethil. Like you play Menatho. as him, like in, play as him in the beginning. You you start out as a human paladin and you watch his descent into evil, basically, because he's trying to fight as basically he's fighting zombies. And will do anything to beat the zombies, and in the process winds up king of the zombies,
2: which is the Lich so, King. I'm assuming. Yes, yes,
0: and you you can you know connect the dots in your mind however you want um, on how how he got there, but so they set that story up and then resolve his story in Wrath of the Lich King, and that I think was like the last great story arc in WoW. Mists of Pandaria also had good story, but it's like. And that actually is self-contained because Blizzard kept trying to reach back into, like, the old RTS and were like, hey, you remember this? And then with Mists, they they went, you know what, let's do something new. And they did. Like, people call it the Kung Fu Panda expansion, and, like, I mean, there's good comparisons to Kung Fu Panda, but, like, it is just a good time, good original story. So yeah, that's the crash course on the WoW story. It's largely disjointed and makes no sense, but there are some good bits.
2: But it, but it's there. All right, okay, good, good to know. I'm gonna come back to that because I, I want to, I kind of want to go through expansion. But like, first, I want to hear you guys. How, how did you start playing WoW? Like, what was your first experience? And like, kind of help me. Like, when did you start? What did you think? Why, why did it draw you in? And like, sort of like, how, how did you get from? I guess I'll give this a shot to where you are today, essentially.
1: Yeah, I can go first. Yeah, I Dylan, you started, started playing, playing first. first. So um, yeah, you can go. I believe I started playing in like 2006 or seven. was I think the first time that I played World of Warcraft. It was during this, the like first expansion. I played during the Burning Crusade a little bit. I played it at, like, my cousin's house we were visiting, and they had it, like, my older cousin was, like, he played, and so, like, I made a little Blood Elf Paladin on there and, like, played through the initial, like, zone for the story, and then, like, we went home, so I didn't get to, like, carry my character back over or anything, but when I went home, it was one of those games where it's, like, I really enjoyed... Like, my time with it, I really enjoyed, like, just kind of the the style of the game, plus just, like, you know, it was something that I could still play with, like, my cousin and stuff, too. So I eventually got it and started leveling a character, a night elf hunter, because I was really into some Forgotten Realms books, which are still really good, and they have a drow hunter in those, so I made a night elf hunter, <laughs> and that is still the character that I play. To this day, like every time a new expansion comes out, I at least resubscribe for long enough to complete the main story of like that comes out with the expansion and get that character to max level. So I played heavily towards the end of the Burning Crusade and then throughout Wrath of the Lich King and then the expansion following. And so I I kind of played, got to max level, played, you know, that was when like i started talking about it to like some of our friends like brandon randall and andrew and mr like andrew's dad started playing and so there there're just kind of a bunch of us that all kind of played we were we joined the same guild and so we kind of played together and so it was it was kind of one of the you know like now i'll hop on you know call of duty occasionally and we'll play something together we're like last night we were playing phasmophobia it was kind of served that role, I guess, for for most of the time that I was playing it then. It was just kind of like a cool little social experience that I got to play through. The expansion that came after Wrath of the Lich King was Cataclysm. And that coincided with about the time that I went to college. So I played WoW some like during my freshman year. But then I got so busy with like other stuff in college that and so I played a little bit of Cataclysm, got my character to max level, but then eventually sort of unsubscribed and ended up coming back uh, for a little bit for Mists, came back a little bit for Warlords of Draenor, came back for a while in the next expansion, which was Legion, I want to say, played Legion Mm -hmm. for a while I really liked Legion. It was a really cool expansion because I, I like the I liked the like Burning Legion storyline that they start like that was kind of a throwback to the Burning Crusade, which was where I started. And so the Burning Legion expansion was kind of like a hey, we're gonna like do that storyline some more. So I got back into it then, and then this most recent one was Battle for Azeroth, right? Am I missing one in between those? No. Got back in it to, for Battle for Azeroth, though, for a little bit. I played at the beginning and got my character to max level, and then took like a year and a half off, two years off, and then came back this summer during quarantine. And have been playing it sporadically since, just kind of having fun leveling up. have gotten to see the game go through a lot of changes.
2: Joseph, how about you?
0: Uh, So my, my spiel, I didn't play until later i started playing in i think 2013 towards the tail end of mists so the game had already had five expansions or so i had identified from a fairly early age that like this world of warcraft thing seems neat seems like it's my jam my friends are playing it but my parents heard the like my kid started playing wow and got addicted and failed school so i wasn't permitted ironically i was allowed to play runescape though and in (laughs) hindsight one of those games is much more addictive and soul consuming than the other and it is runescape because that's the game that's so so just for context runescape is the game where they set the level limit on your skills to 99 because they thought nobody would ever go that high and it stayed that way for like the last 20 plus years the game was not meant to be played as much as it is now but they have anyways um so I wasn't allowed to play but I was allowed to play RuneScape
2: I, will, and I always RuneScape, find that weird though how parents are like we're gonna draw the line here and we're gonna draw the line there on terms of like what their kids can do and like in hindsight I always look back at like some of the things my parents were like you can't do that you can't watch this or you can watch this you can't and I'm always like Looking back on it, I might have flipped a couple of those. Those there's always something where it's yeah, like Yeah, well hmm.
0: and there's a weird thing too about like it's like okay, but also you control when I get on the computer. I it's like I don't have unlimited access to this. I, I it is what it is. Um yeah, yeah. finally when I was a, a senior in high school, there was that like okay, I've gotten into college. I have a couple of scholarships. I've proven that like I can handle myself i'm just gonna start playing wow and so i did i played for a little while and uh, my biggest regret was that i just had no clue what i was doing because apparently at the end of mists and uh through warlords of draenor was actually like a really good time to be playing the game from a casual perspective warlords was like it was a big content drought but like the design of the classes and the raids were apparently really really good and I was too ignorant to appreciate it at the time because I played Warlords for a few months and then quit because there was this thing where, like, Braden was back into it and, like, oh, maybe WoW is coming back. And then everybody fell off except for me, and then I eventually fell off. And then I picked it up in Legion again and got big into it. Like, I got into the whole raiding thing, which is kind of, like, why I play... Because like the cornerstone of WoW for me is the raid team. You play with the same twenty to twenty-five people every week, and you're trying to clear content together. And it it it's like a so it's both a social thing and a competitive thing, and that like that scratches a whole bunch of itches at once for me. And then got into the okay, I'm going to raid. Okay, I want to raid on the highest difficulty and clear the raid and did that for a while i quit for about a year of bfa because just battle for azeroth the current expansion because i would just kind of was like "Ah, i'm not feeling this it was that cycle of like what actually do i have to show for this like i could have gone and like had three full single player experiences with this time i just dumped in what am i doing but you know you always Keep coming back, you never quit wow forever, and so <laughs> I picked it back up again, oh, when would that have been? probably I guess late last year, maybe very early this year, just before the the current patch and played again, kind of got the training wheels off because I came back and like didn't have a raid team was way behind, so I caught back up, got an, back onto a raid team, got back into the groove of things. Which was intentional because I wanted to give things another go for this most recent expansion. So in terms of total time played, I don't I might actually be lower on this list than other people. I don't know quite how long Andrew and Aubrey played. I know in terms of like years played, I'm definitely far behind Dylan. But when it comes to like how into it, I am definitely like by far more into it than anybody else on this podcast but i'm also into specifically the the rating aspect of it which is this weird competitive thing where it's like it's competitive but you're competing against like yourself and other people in a pve situation where it's like we can clear this content but i think but we can do it faster and you know i can do more damage on my class than this other guy can on the same class and it's that constant cycle of like trying to get better and get better, but also like it doesn't fall into that trap of like mobas fall into, where if you don't play with a consistent team, it's like I not only need to beat the enemy team, I need to beat my own team, and th- the the raid team I think still has that that old idea of social capital, where if if you're a d- like they're gonna kick you and you're not gonna have anywhere to go. Whereas any other multiplayer game these days, if you're a, d- you can just be a, d- and like, just queue up again.
2: That's that's kind of the next thing I want to tackle. Was like, walk me through how World of Warcraft works, because again, I did play for a few hours, but like literally, we're talking, hi, go fetch ten rat pelts. That's that's how the game. So like, you mentioned when you were going through yours, Dylan, like starting zone. What is like? Explain to me, like the normal. If you're a person who's not played WoW before, how does this work? Like, where, yeah. where do I go?
1: So I'll I'll give a like my version and Joe. If you want to fill like fill in the parts that fill I miss, in the or, gaps. Yeah. yeah. And I will qualify this with everything has just changed this past Tuesday. <laughs> um, so it used to uh, be the, I mean, the core principles. The are core, the same. Yeah, the core principles are the same, but it used to like I think at its max in Battle for Azeroth like it had eventually like the level cap had ballooned up to a hundred like you could be at level 120 um yeah i mean
0: the real difference is the the amount of time it takes to get to end game
1: yeah so it was very like for a while there it was very it was becoming more and more like time prohibitive for a new person to kind of get into the game and so that has all changed but the the core principle is like okay you pick they've got 10 12 i forget how many different classes now i want to say it's like 10 or 12 and you pick a class that seems cool to you you know you can be you know warrior man you can be like a hunter with that uses pets and has ranged weapons you can be a rogue you can be a mage a lot of your standard like D and D archetypal type of classes um, with a few cool you know like different ones like a blood knight or a death knight or like a, a demon hunter kind of thrown in there for fun but a lot of them are the pretty standard like D D type of classes
2: and correct me if i'm like there is a whole shtick with the choosing an alliance or the horde thing right like that's yeah
1: a- so so currently the game is split into two different factions the alliance which is like your humans your your night elves your gnomes dwarves like a lot of the stereotypical like good races and the horde is your stereotypical like bad races although it's not really like story-wise they're both kind of like shades of gray like the the alliance has done some pretty crappy things the horde has done some really good things and is generally misunderstood but also like currently they're doing terrible things so it kind yeah, of, they like, have a
0: history of genocidal leaders which is this weird like oh it's shades of gray okay well one side's trying to commit genocide and the other isn't but its i, like, I don't think you're, again this goes back to our complaint that like the largely people have given up on the storytelling because it's just kind of bad like it's like comic books and that it's nonsense and retconned but it's not even a good comic
1: yeah because i don't think most people who play a horde character think oh, my orc is going to, like, genocidally massacre all of the humans or all of the night elves. Like, it's more so, like, reserved to, like, story-wise, this, like, undead leader is doing that and, like, is technically in charge of the horde, but, like, me, myself, I'm not doing that. But, yeah, so you pick, like... And for a while there, like, your classes were limited by which side you picked. I don't think that was until the first that changed in
0: burning crusade yeah yeah. initially it was only alliance had paladins and only horde had shamans
1: yeah so like there were and and in the past too there have been more like depending on your race that you picked like there were certain traits that you could get and some were like favored more than others but they've kind of walked that back like now in today's day and age it's more just aesthetic i would say I'm sure if you're, like, trying to be a top-end raider or something like that, it's maybe not. But, like, for the most part, it's just aesthetic. So you pick that, you get popped into, like, the starting zone, which is kind of like you're, like, hey, you're a new hero. Like, we're going to kind of teach you the general things of the game. And so those are where you have, like, your very simple quests of, like, hey, this wolf killed you know like the wolves are taking things like go kill 10 of them and bring me their you know tails or something like that
0: and so you do prefer bear yeah i think that's the the quintessential example is bring me 10 bear and then you kill a bear and it doesn't have an
1: exactly so
0: and you need to kill 30 bears to get 10 bear it makes no sense but Mm -hmm. it is what we have
1: And so it eventually kind of like builds you up, like you do these little quests and then it eventually will end up building you up to like, okay, now you want to go kill the leader of the bears, like the big bear, and you got to join up with, you know, five other people to do so, you know, and one of them's going to be the guy who takes all the punches. One of them's going to be the person that heals you. And then three of them are going to be the people who do all the damage and that's like your first dungeon. I don't think there's one where you actually kill like a bear. Maybe there is. I'm sure there is.
0: I'm sure there's one, one um, of those early dungeons. You kill a bear.
1: Yeah. But essentially like they, so they funnel you from like a largely single player experience into like, okay, now team up with four other players, which is a lot easier to do in this day and age because you can like do matchmaking when I started playing WoW, it was like you had to just like throw it out there into the world of like, hey, does anybody else want to do this dungeon? Like I'm trying to do it. Whereas now you can just click a button and be like, hey, I want to do this. Let me do it. And so from there, you can't, you kind of, that's, that's typically the experience. It's like, you'll, do a storyline that kind of weaves through its own little zone that's largely single player and then it'll usually culminate with like a dungeon quest and then it'll funnel you into um, a new zone where you I I want to say it's usually about every 10 levels they do that roughly it ve- like in the expansions when they only had 10 levels to work with I think it was like it every depends on,
0: on what content you're doing I think yeah. now it largely is yeah like yeah I think it it's much more fluid, they it, we have the technology, they can scale the content to whatever level you are,
1: yeah. Because now, in like the most recent expansions, it's it does feel like it's more like each usually they have about three zones, maybe six zones, and you do like a bunch of more single player esque type of missions that eventually culminate in like fighting the big boss of that area in a dungeon, and then eventually, sometimes when you're max level, maybe the big boss escaped or you just killed a lieutenant. And so you're going to then go fight the big, big boss of the whole, you know, section of the expansion in a raid. Right. So, and that was going to be
2: my next question is, what are raids and how do they work?
1: Joe, well, okay, I've so done this, three. Yeah, this so- is my
0: department. So, so yeah, D- Dylan had it right there. Like, you start off as just generic Person, um, your intro is specific to your race, although they do have a new starting zone that's like unified for everybody to kind of introduce people to the mechanics of the game. But yeah, you, you start out and you go on quests, like it's kind of your generic fetch quest RPG, largely up until you get to max level. Then when you get to max level, things start to branch out, so and that's where you do like more stereotypical MMO things. So you're going to start crafting stuff, you're going to start running dungeons to get loot. You're going to have various just story quests to go do that might give you a little bit of a reward. And so you're going to be increasing your power level from what it was when you hit max. And then you're going to hit a point where like things kind of stall out, like you're like I've done just about all I can and at this point your options are either to do pvp which is its own subsection and honestly people are into it but i feel like in this day and age if you want good pvp there's games that specialize in that um, it's like Wild's literally PvP most is, multiplayer
2: games is like
0: yeah wow's pvp it's a bit of a tacked on afterthought when it comes to being like a good competitive experience like they put pvp in the game and that's fine and like there's even world PvP where you can just fight people in the world. And, you know, that's just kind of like typical MMO stuff. You know, if you have any, if you've seen any MMO episodes of any show, you're probably familiar with this, but it's not really like it's, it's kind of an afterthought, like other games do it better. What WoW does better than any other game and why it continues to like be the best top mmo in the world though final fantasy does give it a run for its money is the raids and so that it's i've capped out on my my power i can't progress any further so you now need to group up with other people and go and fight bosses which is like a totally unique experience so there's currently four difficulties in the game there is the easiest difficulty you can just queue up for. You can say, I want to play this raid, and it will find a group for you and put you in it. And, like, you go in, and it's dumbed down and requires no communication. Every other difficulty requires a pre-made group, which is a little old school. And there are tools to help you find groups if you don't have, like, a guild that will make one. But guild groups are the way to go because these other difficulties become much more reliant on like coordination and knowing what's going on. And it really is a, it's a video game boss fight. Like you attack the boss, you use your abilities and the boss is going to do various attacks that like you have to react to. And they kind of scale the bosses up through each grade in terms of like what their mechanics are. So the first ones are usually just don't stand on fire and then it kind of ramps up to like the last bosses have two phases, three phases. They've got unique mechanics where you have to go stand in a certain spot, you have to go click on a certain thing at a certain time. The in the most recent raid, they ex or the or the most uh, the upcoming raid, they're experimenting with a dance mechanic, so that the whole shtick of the boss is that you're like in a you're fighting like in a masquerade like the boss is in there and periodically the boss will just kind of like hold up you all need to dance and so like you all have to go to your assigned position and the game it's literally a line dance and the game basically goes all right left stomp this time take it back now like
2: did i and like, and so you so you have to second, like we
0: move left games? yeah right no, no no it's still the same game now you're you're not you don't have a dance pad um Like, you're just moving your character in-game, but yet you have to, like, slide to the left, go to the right, like, forward, back, and if you mess up, you get yoinked out, and I think you're just dead. So it is easy enough that, like, you know, because you don't want to have people wiping and being yelled at because they hit, you like, they can't, you know, do rhythm games. So it's fairly simple, but that's still kind of, like, what you can expect in terms of, like, they they get out of the box on these things. It's not yeah. just like I, a I, bunch I, of projected circles on the floor mm. that you need to move out of.
1: And, like, like when you say raid bosses, I think, like, someone who hasn't done a raid's first thing is like, okay, so I just sit there and shoot at something until it dies. And it's like, I mean, there are aspects of, like, yes, you you have to hit it enough until it dies. But the raid bosses are more about, like, Okay, for this, like, if you think about like Mega Man, like it's like okay, this one I have to do this thing in order to beat this boss in Mega Man. It's like it's much more like akin to that type of gameplay, where it's like okay, this boss does this thing and we have to like move out of the way and we have to go stand over here and we have to hit it with this kind of thing. Yeah, and- it, it's, um, you know what,
0: Zelda is actually a good mm-hmm. comparison. Yeah. Classic Zelda, every boss has like a trick. Now, your attacks are going to do damage the entire time. It's not like quite like Zelda where, you know, you have to find the trick to hit the boss. You can hit the boss the entire time. But to, like, be able to keep doing that, every boss has specific tricks, and you have to learn those tricks. And what separates, like, the good raiders from the average raiders are the ones who can pick it up on the fly, and the ones who, like, need to read a guide beforehand. And it's it's become a big deal on, like, who is the best at picking it up on the fly. The Every time a raid comes out, guilds race for the first spot, and it's... Was always a competitive thing, but you know, in the age of esports, it has stepped up significantly. Um, like Red Bull sponsors an event, and like you know, there's real money on the line. You know, it's not just like oh, I got an achievement because we did this before everybody else. And at the highest difficulty, it is it's fairly demanding. That's like okay, I you know your build, your gear is optimized, and you can execute execute your gameplay like at a high level because you're not just hitting one or two buttons. You have a core rotation. That's probably at most six buttons, but you are probably going to have close to 20 abilities bound and you need to like know when to you, when you're going to use all of them and how to use them optimally while at the same time, you've got these demanding mechanics that are, are uh, being like, Hey, pay attention and like do this thing.
1: Yeah, because, like, it it becomes similar, not exactly, but similar to, like, a fighting game, where it's, like, your core rotation essentially becomes, like, your basic combos, and then, like, you have some combos that you only pull off in certain situations, and learning that is really, like, just like in a fighting game, learning the combos and when to use them is, like, how you separate, like, just button mashing into, like, high-level play, in WoW, I feel like that's very much, like... Yes. Yeah,
0: that's a good comparison. Like it's when you look up in a fighting game and you look and go, "Oh, I just hit like back back down sweep B and like that uses my finisher." That's okay, easy enough like I can get that concept. But then, you know, imagine you're playing against somebody who is very very like closely matched to you, like they're really pushing you and then it's like it's no longer trivial just to hit back, back down, and B. You need to know like exactly what window you can hit that button, hit that combo in because, and you're reading them and going like, okay, well they just used this, so like now it's safe. Like not one to one, but like I think that's a, a good.
2: Well, yeah, I was going to say I'd point s- of comparison. Speaking of esports, one of the one uh, there's a famous moment in one of the esports competitions. Uh, I think it was Evo where they were playing Street Fighter 2 as, I mean, Evo, obviously. But a really famous moment where someone on their, like, last sliver of health. And what they did was someone, act- the other fighter activated their super to, like, finish them off. And it was, like, finals level, like, this is it. This is how it does. So they activate their super. And it was, the they were playing as Chun-Li, so their kicks, they did their super it was, like, a flurry of kicks. And they the other person who had, again, like, one HP, perfectly blocked every single kick in the flurry of kicks and then did a counter-strike and won the match. And it was just like one of those, Oh dang, like the motor skills and the memorization of frames one has to have to pull that off under this kind of pressure is insane. So I'm assuming the higher end raids are kind of like that, where you're just sort of like, I have to know what this does. I have to know what they do. I have to know, like what all the effects are what everyone else on the team is doing that sort of thing
0: yeah it's um it's obviously not quite like frame perfect um because it's it's an online game and so there's variable latency like they never expect stuff to be frame perfect but that's a similar idea at the high end difficulty the guilds that get there for like get to the end first will spend hundreds of attempts on the final boss Guilds that come in behind can spend hundreds of attempts depending on how good they are, but they do have the benefit of having more gear because it's like each week you get a little bit more gear from the raid, which effectively makes the raid easier. Whereas these people going for the first world first race don't have that extra gear. They're doing like. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it is not that dissimilar to like a roguelite type of mechanic almost where it's like you can only get gear from each boss once a week and so it's like you can either try to make it all the way through or you can make it as far as you can and then the the following week you come back just a little bit more powerful so like right not exactly yeah that, that's kind of the it's it's a built-in nerf they they tune
0: Sometimes they still have to fix stuff, but generally the raid is kind of tuned around the assumption that like over time it gets easier. So stuff that's like seems almost impossible, liberal is perfect play is much more forgiving later on when you have more gear. A good example of this is that at the very high end, the kinds of healers you take changes because you take healers who can apply damage reduction effects because you have smaller health pools. Whereas guilds that get there later can take healers that have higher throughput because people have bigger health pools and will live through things that used to just one shot them. I had something on the fighting game example. Oh, that's right. So, but you know, in the street fighter example, someone who plays street fighter at that, you know, world-class level, they see Chun-Li user special and it's like muscle memory. They don't even have to think. They just automatic block. And, that's these these guilds who go for the world first position and even if you just rate at the highest difficulty at all, the average pull counts for bosses tend to be at the low end 20 and at the high end one to 200. It, like it, it the last boss will typically in the guilds I've been in, it will take my team three to four weeks rating nine hours a week. On that boss to get it down.
2: Now, what is because a, it just
0: turns pull count such a repetition. That. Yeah, that that the pull count for us on this most recent raid tier was a hundred and twenty.
2: But but what is that? Yeah, like, what does that mean to someone? Who oh, doesn't? what is that's
0: oh pull count? That's sorry, pull count is how many times you've attempted the boss.
2: Okay, that's, that's so a decent amount.
0: yes. So and there are are guilds that will slog through hundreds of pulls. I personally tend to lose my sanity at about 80 um, and like need to be rotated out at some point in there if we're going to go beyond that. But yeah, but so, it, it, you know, we're talking tens, if not dozens of attempts and you're learning the the pattern and you're memorizing what it is you do until you get to a point where like you can just do the fight without thinking. It, it actually throws me off when i play on some of the other difficulties because they add in the fights on the highest difficulty which is mythic have different mechanics it's just mostly the same fight but they change mechanics here and there they add stuff in and generally the last boss is significantly different on mythic and then it's you attempt it so many times when you go back to the old difficulty just, like, for fun or to help other people get gear, it, like, throws you off. Because you're you're used to, like, at 2 minutes and 30 seconds, I run to this side of the room and, like, do blank. But then on the other difficulties, that doesn't exist. And so you, at 2 minutes and 30 seconds, you run over to the other side of the room, and you just like, oh, I didn't have to do that. Um,
2: It sounds like... um, And then you got to run back. The... That whole like you have to just run it over and over till you like, get it it's almost like you're rehearsing for like a a play or like some choreographed dance. Like it's you know
0: That's a good comparison and there's a big philosophical split between guilds that go for this is just a dance, we have to learn it, let's just go get as many raw attempts in as we can until we do. And then there are guilds that go beating our heads against the wall until we get it isn't a good use of our time. We're going to sit and talk after each attempt and tweak things and see if we can like do this in, you know, 10 fewer polls. And there there's merits to both though at the highest end of the game, they just do, they end up doing both. They have some bosses where they go, okay, we think we can do this in like, I don't know, 40 attempts. So Let's have some like quality discussion between attempts, and then there's some where they mathematically know it's just gonna take them hundreds of attempts. So let's just go for it and grind. and we'll we'll break every twenty attempts and change things.
1: And I've never played to that level. Like I, I'll throw that out there. Like yeah,
0: and and playing at this level is why I still play. Like as much as I like the game. I don't think the other things the game offers are all that good. Other people disagree with me, and there's plenty of people who just play for leveling or doing quests.
1: Well, and it's like, for me, like, I I don't play at the, like, high end. Like, I, I don't have the time right now in my life to be able to, like, dedicate to raiding that much. Like, I could if I gave up like playing other games probably which i know joe is kind of like what you talked about of like yeah it, it's a time um, commitment you know like could i like i could have played so many other games while i was playing this instead sort of thing and so i'm i i don't do it at that level there were a few times back when i originally played when i was max level where we attempted like A raid called Naxxramas, but that was in the time before you could, like, matchmake and fill things, and we didn't have enough people in our guild to, like, fill fill the 25. I think at that point, too, it was only, like, you had to raid in, like, either 45. It was 10
0: or 25.
1: For the in wrath i thought it was still 40 and 25 in wrath
0: no 40 went away i think after classic i don't even know if 40 bands existed and okay maybe there were a few in bc but by wrath it was 10 and 25
1: okay but yeah so we didn't have quite enough people to fill out like i guess the 10 man squad there and so we ended up having to like try to just get through it with either less or try to get through it with like a few random people, which was always kind of a challenge because you didn't know them, but there was always something that was just really cool for me in doing it. That was like just working together with 10 or 25 other people yeah. to accomplish then a that's, common goal, which was um, really cool. And, and since I've been back, they have added like a, like the lowest difficulty is the matchmaking one where it's not as challenging but like you still get sort of the the thing i'm coming to the raid for which is the experience of like fighting these bigger than life bosses like i mean at some point in the most recent raid, you fought cthulhu basically um yeah it's it's
0: the um there's a good name for it it's the kind of almost the tourist difficulty it's the like i want to go see this thing but i don't have the time to like
1: yeah it's like dedicate I do this. to like
0: finding a team and sticking with it so just let yeah. me go see it
1: yeah because like the the kind of tier that joe raids at like he's saying like you know you're gonna pull a boss you know 40 50 60 maybe hundreds of times as you Learn it with your team, whereas the difficulty that I've done the most recent raid on, especially like I did it well after the raid had come out, so people knew the bosses, it was like most of the time we would defeat the boss after just like a couple of attempts. and so like it was it, it's more of the like, I only have like three hours to do this, and I can probably get it done. And if not, I can at least feel like i I made a lot of progress and maybe come back and try it again, but it's it's a lot less time consuming, a lot more like friendly to I don't know anybody that really plays anymore <laughs> so
2: that's that actually seems pretty well balanced in a sense where it's just like, hey, if you want to see the content, you can, but like there's a version of it that's different and more intense for people who do have the time and who do want to sit there and do the coordination of like.
0: Yeah, they for there's a lot of valid criticisms for WoW, but one of the things they do well is making things approachable for people of different desires. There's the if you don't have a guild, you don't have an embedded group of friends who are playing, here's tools for you to help you see the content anyway. If you want a challenge, it's here for you. If you don't, that's fine. You know, excess like it's fairly accessible and there's a lot of casual communities too when i started playing in 8.3 i joined this completely casual raid team they they never wanted to go into the highest difficulty they just played in the middle two and those middle two have flexible numbers so at the highest difficulty you play with a 20 man roster you will you'll have more people on your roster but you can only go in with 20 it's fixed to that the other difficulties scale so you can have as few as 10 and as many as 30. And so I joined a fairly casual group. Um, and it, it was a good time. Uh, I played with some interesting people. Uh, my favorite, there was a mom of two from Arkansas. And like, she just had like the best stories, like while we would trade, like for her, it was largely a social thing. She and her husband played and they basically, they, it, this guild was a guild of guilds, like, it was one big guild that like had a bunch of raid teams and the husband and wife raided on separate teams. So that ways you know, there was always someone keeping on the kids, but they could still play. And so it was fun. Cause like you'd be raiding with her and she would alternate between like, you know, sweet stories about her kids or like new recipes. She's trying with like just the dirty jokes that come with hanging around with a bunch of nerds. Um, and, and like, uh, there was a guy in there who was a, used to be an EMT in Baltimore and then stopped being a full-time EMT and now teaches a high school program. It's like a senior level class where like kids can basically take the class and get fast-tracked into being an EMT. Um, heard a lot of interesting stories from that guy. I would some assume. depressing stories. I um, would
2: also assume.
0: Being from, you know, Baltimore and the great educational system that's there. Yep. And, but it was still like that whole, eventually I hit the point where I was like, I'm looking for more of a challenge and moved on, but like, it was still a good time. And that's, I think for me, that's what makes the whole rating thing special is because you're playing with a decent sized group of people every week and you're getting to know them. So you meet all kinds of interesting people. Some kind of are just, similar to you and that like just generic white guy probably went to college um nothing you know you guys got a lot in common but you know people are from different areas Uh, my last guild had a lot of indian americans in it and so like hearing some of the things that are like typical of like indian american culture that was interesting and so uh, that yeah that's neat and then yeah obviously just the competitive aspect is what keeps me coming back. There's other MMOs out there, but people go and try them and still keep coming back to WoW. Nothing has quite managed to replicate the. I think if you just play casually, you just want to queue up for something. You know, yeah, go try Final Fantasy. Go try ESO. See how those scratch your itch. um It
2: is amazing though, like but, Final Fantasy 14 and ESO are both like within the past like within the past 10 years like really both of them are barely o- older than like 5 or 6 years really especially cuz FF14 like relaunched every other MMO besides WoW from like has just sort of phased into relative obscurity like there's there's a few that are still out there don't get me wrong there are some that have been going strong for a decade plus but like MMOs are mostly kind of extinct as a mainstream gaming thing, except for WoW. WoW is its own institution.
0: Yeah, and that's, I don't think, a coincidence. For one, MMOs are expensive. To make an MMO today is hard. It's expensive. Nobody wants to do it. But yeah, also, (laughs) there's, uh, yeah, every other MMO fades into obscurity because they all try to copy WoW, but they can't do it like WoW can like i said wow has <clears throat> has that high-end pve locked down oh. and i th- I think the the two you mentioned final fantasy and eso have stuck around because they have found niches that aren't high-end pve final fantasy is it's the weeb mmo <laughs> like if you like anime wow. and you want to like get all into dressing up your character and housing and i've also heard you the know story quest is really good. stories yeah the, the story is the big one go play final fantasy if you really like elder scrolls if you like story go play eso eso has good yeah like it's, it's a good elder scrolls game like i don't know how it does as an mmo like i know there's raids and dungeons but they always felt kind of weird But I know that as a, like, pseudo-single-player experience, ESO actually is really good. Um,
2: I kind of heard that as it got iterated upon and, like, worked out, it's like, hey, this is maybe, like, the kind of Elder Scrolls VI you wanted and just kept getting more Fallout games.
0: Yeah, it is. Like, the zones are good. The quests are not quite full on Elder Scrolls quests. Like, there's still some kind of fetch elements, but by and large like there's some good effort put into them so and like there are specific story quests that just they're good and they also went with like a free-to-play model and you can then pay for the content that you want
2: which is is a good thing
0: if you want to go to elsewhere you can buy it if you don't then you can buy morrowind or you can buy skyrim
2: the games that we've already made and you know you like. Yeah. I do just want to throw out the comparisons you made were interesting because it, it reminded me of uh, YouTube. You know, every everyone's kind of sick of YouTube's like, just in general. They're you know, like, how come there's not like a good competitor YouTube to YouTube? And it's kind of the same thing where it's like, it'd be really expensive. Like, no one can really afford to make a stream, like a video sharing service on that level. And what YouTube does well, they do really well. Like
0: yeah it's that same thing where the only thing that's going to kill wow is itself it, it we don't know the subscriber count now they've stopped publishing that they used to for a long time they stopped i think in mr warlords because the game peaked in wrath and then people were pointing to the subscriber count and like freaking out and because Activision Blizzard is publicly traded. They stopped talking about specifically WoW subscribers, and now they just talk about Blizzard monthly actor monthly active users as a whole. Yeah, um,
1: which lumps in Hearthstone and Overwatch and all of yeah. those others. So and StarCraft. We, we don't know
0: for sure, but we we have good indication that like it's still going strong. And you know, I think the only thing that yet yeah, that will kill it will be itself because the game is in a no game community is happy with its developers usually outside of like small Indies. There is usually a lot of like contention and like do this, do that why aren't you listening to X?
1: Well and and I think it goes doubly so for wow because like you said, Joe earlier you said it it does so much to make it accessible to everyone and give everyone a little something. And so that means there are a bunch of people coming to WoW for vastly different things. And it's very difficult to give everybody exactly what they want. You know, like, yes, that is a part of it. And that's usually like on the high end people, it's like the, like they did in Warlords of Draenor then like the casual experience suffers a little bit. If they focus too much on the casual experience, then the high end people are like, okay, but like we're not being challenged. So we're going to stop playing. And we're the ones that talk the most about your game. And so it's, yeah. It's, and it's that gets tough. into
0: an interesting video game feedback idea. And that's that like, yes, a hundred thousand voices all say in the same thing it does sound loud, but also those 100,000 voices are like a sliver of your player base.
1: Yeah, like if your player base Um, is 7 million, then 100,000, not that many.
2: There's also this weird tendency when like people can tell there's an issue. The first person says, actually, the issue is this. Everyone's like, that must be it because I don't know what it is. And you've given me a viable option. So it has to be this. So like 100,000 people might be screaming, this is your problem, but like, 50,000 of them are only saying it because that 50,000 is saying it. And they're like, that That seems reasonable.
0: And so there, there is an element of that. And certainly with any online game, there's always the local minority and all of that. But things in recent times have looked consistently worse and worse. And I am in a little bit of a bubble. Like, I talk to mostly the high-end community. And, like, the content creators I follow are mostly high-end. There are a couple of, like, casual content creators I follow just because I like to see what they think. But for the first time, there is kind of a united front across all levels on a, yeah, we don't think we like this. This doesn't sound good, like, at all. And we don't know where you guys are getting the idea that, like, we want this. Because with anything controversial in a video game, you know, you usually have the people who are like, this is great. This is horrible. And you kind of can't tell um, degrading weapons and Breath of the Wild. That's a good, like...
2: Yeah, because, like... That's
0: controversial.
2: Yeah. Some people, like, the game would be so much better without it. Some people, like, it makes the game. Like, it just... There's this thing where you kind of have to come down on your own opinion, because...
0: WoW is at a point where, like, it's not controversial like that. It is, like... You go on Twitter, you look at content creators on YouTube, you look at Reddit, you look in game, you look in discords. Everybody is on the same page on like, yeah, we don't get this. This doesn't sound good. Why are you doing this? And they've been upfront about why. Um, the game director sat down and did like a dialogue with a content creator slash streamer. And it wasn't even like a Q and a It's like a we're going to have a discussion about like the direction we're taking the game and why we think the game should go in this way. It's a fantastic interview. I applaud him for doing it, but the takeaway was, Holy cow, you're wrong. (laughs) Like watching, you know, it was streamed on Twitch. And I remember thinking that the, you know, the game director saying that he was talking about different people doing different amounts of damage against a boss. And he said, that, like, you want people to have different builds and, you know, you want there to be some some variance because, and his words were like, do people really want, you know, two hunters with the same gear and the same talents and the only difference between their performance is, like, how they push their buttons? And everyone resoundingly was like, yes, that's exactly what we want. This isn't an RPG anymore. This is a competitive game. We want to treat it like a competitive game. This is 2020, not 2005. But he approached the question as like, well, obviously that's not what we want. Like, we want there to be RPG and like people being a little bit different. Yeah. Cause that's, and it's like, that's fine. If that's fine for a lot of people. But when you're talking about something that gets as competitive as it does, it's like, no, I want, us all to be on a level playing field roll credits um
1: he said it wrap it up guys the one (laughs) the
0: the one difference is just that you know who's better
1: yeah yeah because it's because that's something that they've struggled with for a while too is like they they're stuck in that like originally wow did not have this widespread access to the like it came out in what oh five and so it's like the internet was still a relatively new i mean like it had been around for yeah but like youtube was
0: not a thing yeah um wowhead was not a thing
1: yeah like there there were not as many easily accessible resources and so like and, and they wanted you to try to make meaningful choices like it was much more in like the rpg like if I'm taking this, I'm giving up that. And like, right. I have to be and, okay with that. And, and there's and some as it's evolved. Like it has become more and more like, okay, I'm going to go to this website and look up what is the best build for my hunter. And I'm going to only choose those things because people have run the simulations and they know that the best way to do the most damage is to take these things and press the buttons in this order. And so on the one hand, like it does take away a little bit of that like you know be an rpg like do your own thing choose these things because you want to choose them but on the other hand like the way that they make a lot of the game a way they make a lot of the bosses is like if you aren't doing the thing that is the best thing you're just not going to like for me as a casual player I like the idea of just being able to go in and just pick whatever I think aesthetically fits my character best. But if I want to raid, I will not be able to find a raid group because the thing that I thought was aesthetically best for my character is not going to be the actual best thing. And therefore I will do inferior damage and will be kicked from the raid group. <laughs> so it's very tough.
0: Yes. And, and there's, so there's a, there's a few things there that I, I won't, Get as far into as i could um yeah the first is that they do have this idea of meaningful choice meaningful choice specifically being you make a decision that you are locked into and you can't easily undo based on the idea of the old talent trees so WoW used to have like an old school talent tree system. Like you had three trees, kind of like Borderlands,
1: and you had to play actually a exactly like of Borderlands. Points. Yeah, like you put yeah. this many points into this one to unlock this thing, and you go down this path, which locks off this other path. So
0: and and people, there's a mythology that that was like old and cool and gave you choices. I have been told that the reality was more like if you played. If you raided at all back in the day, um, and raiding was stupidly easy back then, like objectively speaking, it was hard because people were figuring it out. But now that Classic is out, people are doing things like beating the raids with no gear. The, you That You really had one talent build, like you didn't change it up. And so what they did to address that problem was they changed the talent system into you have five rows, three choices on each row, and you can flip between these choices at will. So you would think that's a meaningful choice. Lately, what they've decided to do is no, we want to permanently lock you in to something. We're gonna lock you into an ability, and you can't easily change between abilities. And like that's kind of where people are getting leery and everyone's going, like, but who does this benefit? You know, this doesn't help anybody, and this gets into a larger problem that I guess can be like a a wrapping up point for talking about rating blizzard does not take feedback at all and they say they do which is extremely frustrating they say they want feedback and they do want you to report bugs and to an extent they want you to tell they want you to say if you're having fun or not having fun they don't want you to say why they don't want you to suggest alternate ideas and they definitely don't want you to talk about how you would design a class there was a thread that went around on twitter today actually which is like one of the old theory crafters for death knights finally had like a okay screw it i'm gonna spill the beans and proceeded to lay out on twitter basically how once upon a time blizzard used to be really active with their community they would find like that the top we've got top men on it you know, find the top minds for each class and would ask them like, Hey, how does your class feel? What do you want changed? What can we do? And over time they have shifted to like, don't tell us how to make the classes. And people will like, they'll say, we need feedback on your classes. So someone will write up a 10 page Google doc on like, here's the state of the class. And visit will say, it's too long. Okay. Well then we'll reduce it down to one sentence. We don't like X. And Blizzard will go, well, that's not helpful. Be more specific. And they just continually keep moving the goalposts to a point where just about everybody, like, deeply involved with the community is on the same page that, like, yeah, Blizzard doesn't care. And it's a cultural problem. And not to say that everyone at Blizzard doesn't care, where, like, the axe to grind is specifically with the... I guess you would call them designers, and like any other studio, the people who make the classes, who design the systems, like don't want to listen to our feedback. Um, and they've been joking for a long time now that like the art and music team on WoW has been carrying them for like two expansions now because the art is phenomenal, the music is phenomenal, like the zones are legitimately. Like, you like to run around in them and see them and explore. It's just the the end game systems leave a lot to be desired. And the more you're like, oh, well, we can tell Blizzard what we don't like and they can fix it. And the answer is, like, no, you're going to take what they serve up. And there was a, a meme that ran around a while ago that was one of those, like, feedback surveys. And it was the how likely are you to recommend World of Warcraft to a friend? And they put down one... And then the next question was, how likely are you to keep playing World of Warcraft? And they had put down 10, <laughs> which like it describes, I think, how most people feel about the game. Like there's nothing like it. And so we're all still here. But boy, are there some problem spots. And most of those problem spots can be attributed to Blizzard being super arrogant and thinking, yeah, we know better than you. Caleb, have you heard the the famous quote um, about classic WoW? So people had been asking for years, can you bring us like a classic server? We want to play classic again. And for years, the guy who is now the president of blizzard, um, he was then game director of wow uh, or an executive or something said, you think you want it, but you don't. And kind of, he was drawing from that school of thought that like the vocal minority isn't right. Usually when it comes to your game, like, your audience is good at identifying problems, but not solutions. And is that like, yeah, yeah? You think, but you don't. Like vanilla wasn't as good as you thought, and then they launched vanilla a couple years later. And actually, the same guy who said you think you want it, but you don't. Ha- was the same guy who then like announced it on stage. And like, he did admit, I can't remember exactly the word, but he did like make a joke about like, yes, yes. I know you're all about to make fun of me on Twitter because I'm the guy who said the thing here I am. I'm giving you what you want.
1: But then he turned out he was right. Right. Cause a lot of people played it and then were like, Oh, this wasn't what I there remember. There is it a being. very
0: hardcore classic fan base that is still playing. Yeah. Um, yeah a lot of people downloaded it played it for like a week and then stopped but there's a dedicated fan base that is kept with it and there's rumors that they may continue for more expansions um with the classic model
1: like i don't i don't understand why they haven't like just kind of at this point done like a we're just gonna like in a yearly like maybe a yearly every or two-year rotation just kind of be like you know, we're going to do classic WoW and then we're going to roll out the first round of like big. Yeah, expansion, I think it's or a big, um, like raids, second round of big raids, and just kind of like sort of loop it almost in like a Groundhog style, you know. Sort yeah, of thing. I think
0: so. The issue is the cost benefit analysis, which is what they've been exploring and are maybe getting some answers on because. You know, private servers exist and it's easy to say, oh, there's private servers. Surely you guys can just spin up BC or spin up Rath. It's more complicated than that. It actually a whole lot of work has to go into, okay, we need to take this old code, dig it up, get it to run on new hardware. We need to update the underlying server tech to handle more people. And then we need to figure out how much are we going to support this thing? Are we going to do updates for it? It starts to become a lot of work, both from, like, a design standpoint and just an engineering standpoint. And you're like, this is going to be a lot of man hours. Is this worth it?
2: Yep. Speaking of man hours, we should probably start wrapping up because we have been here for a minute.
0: We have. But, you know, according to uh, all voters on Instagram, they prefer longer episodes. That's
2: true. Well, you've you've got. That's
0: true. So we've given the people what they asked for. Um, Uh,
2: But maybe they think they want it.
0: But they don't. <laughs> but they don't. Ooh, This'll that's a test. good one to end on. This will be the test. Okay, that's it. Yeah, we can't go any further. I had a game, but also I think that, you know, we can just hold that for another day. These games are easy to save. Yep. And my voice is also about to go out. I'm out of water. Would you Would you like me um, to do
2: the closing thing then?
0: If you could, I would greatly appreciate that.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for checking out this episode of the Level Playing Field podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like to help us out in growing our community, please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and give us a like or a follow. Don't forget Twitch. We also do stream on Twitch. And sometimes we even stream content that you're not going to find on our podcast, so go check that out. If you have any suggestions, questions, or just want to say hey, feel free to reach out on social media or email us at lpfgamespodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. A big thank you to our, you know, team of co-hosts today, which Joseph Sommer took the lead. And Dylan Wren, also here to give us all the inside information on—he's been playing WoW longer than any of us. Still, I, don't know
1: very much about it. Yeah. Okay, boom. <laughs> I didn't.
2: I didn't have an exit strategy for that that sounded good. So I'm like, ah, mm, okay. Uh, even bigger I'll just leave thing. Leave it there.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's like uh, what's what what I say. Uh, it's like that is definitely a game that came out. It existed. I can't remember what I described like that the other day, but I'm like, oh yeah, that exists. Yes. Alright, even bigger thank you to our (laughs) listeners We sincerely appreciate you Now, say goodbye everyone
0: Goodbye everyone